There's one Sunday that I will never forget. It was the Sunday that Hannah was baptized. She was about five months old, and all of our family came out. My brother, sister-in-law, and and nephew from Georgia, my brother and sister-in-law from uh, Ohio, my parents from Mississippi, even my aunt and uncle from Virginia all flew out to witness this. We had friends and family converge upon the church, and I was serving two churches at one time, so both churches worshipped together, both choirs sang together. And my mentor from the church I worked at in seminary, him and his family came up as well, and he was there to officiate over the baptism, because on that day I just wanted to be dad. And it was a truly a magnificent weekend, it was a celebration, it was a wonderful event. Baptisms have always been one of my favorite parts of ministry. I love the celebration of life. I love the commitment to Christ. But I also recall one summer when I prayed that I would not get a call asking me to do a baptism. This was actually before I was ordained. It was the summer between my second and third year of seminary when I did an internship as a chaplain in a Trauma One hospital. In our first day, the person who was training us said that every once in a while you would get called to, to do a baptism, ask to be do a baptism for an infant that is dying or an infant who has been stillborn. And we understand that you are supposed to be ordained to do a baptism. We understand that you're supposed to baptize into a community. But we will leave it up to you in those moments if you will do a baptism, if you will perform that baptism for that family. And so I prayed each and every day that I went into the hospital that I would not receive that call. I didn't want to make the decision of will I or won't I, although I knew that I would. I knew that it would be essential pastoral care. I didn't want to face that grieving family. I didn't want to hold that infant in my arms especially because this is when Heather and I were struggling through fertility treatment and, and trying to start a family of our own. And luckily, out of eight people in my chaplaincy class, I was one of two that did not get that call. But I hold that picture in my mind in stark contrast to the celebration that was when Hannah was baptized. And it points out the different views that we have of baptism, the different ways it could be considered. Is baptism necessary for salvation or is it not? Is baptism something you could do in isolation or does it have to be into a community? Is baptism done by sprinkling or do you have to dunk them fully under? I heard a story once about a Baptist pastor and a Presbyterian pastor talking who were old friends, had gone to seminary about the same time, and had graduated about the same time and maintained their friendship. And the Presbyterian pastor said to the Baptist pastor, what is necessary for it to be baptized? And they said, well, you have to be fully immersed. And he said, well, if you walk in up to your ankles, is that baptism? And the Baptist said, well, no. So well, if you walk into the water up to your knees, the Baptist pastor said, no, still not a baptism. Well, what about up to your waist? Would that be baptism? And the Baptist pastor said, what part of immersion don't you understand? And the Presbyterian said, well, what about up to your shoulders? And the Baptist pastor just shook his head. If I said, what if you go up to your eyebrows? 
And the Baptist pastor said, maybe. He said, well, what if it's just covering everything but the tip of your head? And the Baptist pastor said, yes, fine. That would be immersion. And the Presbyterian pastor said, see, we don't disagree all that much. It's important that you put water on the head for it to be a baptism. (laughs) It's easy to understand why we have such different views of baptism, though. Baptism actually began in the Old Testament. It was a Jewish ritual cleansing, cleansing us of sins. And then John the Baptist appeared on the scene, and he would baptize people in the River Jordan. That's how he got his name. And he called people to come, repent of your sins, be baptized. And so we see baptism as something where we are cleansed. Just as you put dirty clothes into water to cleanse them, we put ourselves into water to spiritually cleanse us. We go into the water to repent of our sins, to be made clean. But then Jesus comes along. And Jesus shakes everything up as Jesus so often does. And he was baptized. He who was without sin was baptized. So what does that mean? We need to look at the events of that day. Jesus went into the water and was baptized after lines of people who were baptized for the repentance of sins. And I'm sure before others who were baptized. And the sky opened up. And the Holy Spirit, looking like what best could be described as a dove, I don't think it was a literal dove, but I think that's the only way people knew how to describe it because it was something they'd never seen before. It descended upon him, and a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son. In him I am well pleased. And we see that baptism has changed. Jesus was not baptized for the repentance of sin. Jesus was baptized to stand in solidarity with everyone else who was baptized. To say, I am one of you. To become Emmanuel. God is with us. But something else happened. The sky opened up and God spoke and claimed Jesus as God's Son. As God's beloved child. And so the meaning of baptism changed. Most baptismal vows do include the repentance of sins. But more than that, we are baptized to stand in solidarity with the community. And for them to stand in solidarity with us. That's why in the Reformed tradition, which both UCC and PCUSA belong to, There is no private baptisms. We're not going to baptize you in the dead of night. We're not going to baptize you on some evening with just family. We're going to baptize you during a regular church service because you belong to this family and what this family represents. The brothers and sisters who follow Christ. But at Jesus' baptized, God claimed Jesus as God's own. God said, this is my son, in him I'm well pleased. And when we're baptized, God claims us. When we're baptized, we're recognizing that God said, this is my beloved child. He or she belongs to me.
And that's something that we hold dearly to. There are many different views of baptism. People argue if you should be saved, if baptism is required by salvation, or if you could be saved without baptism. And I don't think it's required for salvation. The PCUSA kind of hems and haws on this. They haven't really come down one way or the other. But my personal beliefs is that it's not required for baptism. And I come to this for several different reasons. One, we have the thieves on the cross when Jesus is crucified. One on his left and one on his right. And one of them says, Jesus, tell me that today I will be with you in paradise. And Jesus makes it so. And there's no indication that he is ever baptized. But there's Jesus' promise that he is redeemed. Second, I don't think that when we, if we say baptism is necessary for salvation, that is putting the, the actions of salvation on us, not on God. It's nothing that we do that promises a salvation, but it's God's work alone. But if we say that you must be baptized for salvation, then that puts the onus on us. And finally, I am not willing to say that God cannot save someone who has not been baptized. I'm not willing to say that God is not powerful enough to open God's gates and welcome in someone simply because they've had not been immersed or had water poured on their head or sprinkled on their head. I think our God's love is more encompassing and wider than that. I think our God is more powerful than that. Today is the baptism of Christ Sunday. When we celebrate Christ's baptism when we celebrate and remember that he went into the river Jordan and that the Holy Spirit descended upon him and God claimed him as God's own. But it's important that we remember our baptism too. It's important for many different reasons. We need to remember that when we are baptized, we are claimed by a community of believers That we belong somewhere. That no matter how long we stray, how long we go away, where we move to, we are part of the brotherhood and sisterhood of Christ. The flip side of that, though, is we have a responsibility as well. We are called to love and care for each other, for everyone here, everyone who's baptized in Christ's name that they are part of our family and we are to raise them up in the Christian tradition. That claim into a community is not a one-way street. But more importantly, we are to remember that when we were baptized, we were claimed as God's beloved child. And that can help us through some dark times. When it seems like nothing is going right, you are God's beloved child. When it seems like you are struggling on every term, you are God's beloved child. When it seems like illness and death and cancer is all around, you are God's beloved child. When you're alone and afraid, you are God's beloved child. 
Some of us were baptized as infants, some as teenagers, some as adults. Hannah will probably never remember her baptism. I will never forget mine. I was 18 years old, maybe 17. I might not remember it completely, but but I won't forget it either. But I do remember standing up there with my brothers and one other youth and being baptized by our pastor. And when we go through life and we struggle, as we all will, we remember that there's a community that loves us, that accepts us, that we are grafted on to the body of Christ. And we also remember that we are God's beloved child, that in our baptism, God claims us as God's own, that we are a beloved child of Christ. Amen.